This is Working Tech, where we talk about how tech can work harder so we can work better. Because hardly working isn't an option. Definitely is, a, is an interesting one. If someone says definitely, they they mean probably not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I did that all the time. They'd be like, are you going to get that done by Friday? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm yeah. on it. <laughs> exactly. I'm on it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. If someone says happy to discuss this further, they mean don't ever bring this up again. <laughs> Oh, see, I'm crying here. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin W. Grossman, creator and co-founder of the Working Tech Podcast and one of the co-hosts. Myself, along with co-founder and co-host Bill Bannum, welcome you to our new series where we'll talk about all things tech in the working world around us, including HR, recruiting, and related technologies. Our guests will include those who make the magic happen so we can all work better. Here's the thing. Sometimes we need a little levity about the world of work and the technologies that supposedly make it all better. Actually, sometimes we need a lot more than a little. Thank goodness for funnies like the Cooper Review and 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings and more. Enjoy this conversation I had with writer, comedian, and creator of the satirical blog, thecooperreview.com, Sarah Cooper. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the Working Tech Podcast. You have got a new book out that came out, I believe, last fall called 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, which unfortunately I have yet to do, which is, i.e., appear smart in meetings. So you've got some really dead-on hilarious insights that you share with your readers. And for example, while in a meeting and asking, will this scale? And by the way, when I first read that, I was dying because I, I don't know how many times I've even actually used that, unfortunately. Um, no matter what it is, you know, what, and the fact that no one really knows what that means, right? Tell us about that, that insight. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of an example of one of those kind of jargony, very in uh, tech right now questions that you hear a lot. And you definitely hear uh, people asking that question who definitely don't understand what that means. But it's one of those things that if you're in these meeting type situations, people are just being so polite and no one's going to call you on it. They're going to try to answer your question, even if your question doesn't make any sense. And so that's kind of one of the things that I noticed being in these meetings is that you could kind of just throw anything out there and uh, people would entertain it. Um, and so a lot of times if you throw something out there, you haven't been paying attention, people entertain it. You can kind of go back to, you know, doodling on your uh, notebook or like looking at your phone or playing Candy Crush or whatever you're doing. Um, so it's kind of one of those things is that, uh, you know, no one, no one really knows, but what will this scale mean? That's not true. I mean, a lot of people do know, but the people that don't know are the ones that are kind of using it to make themselves look smart. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. Absolutely. And we're going to dive deeper into your background too in a bit in the podcast. Um, uh, and I know you and I both, have, have, I'm sure have been in a gazillion meetings where you kind of like, after you're done, you're scratching your head going, oh, I'm sorry, what did we just do again? Yeah. You also reference about, you know, the, the whole, the whole point about encouraging everybody to take a step back, which you're, you're saying helps buys us smart time, right? Mm -hmm. Or buys us. So what, what do you, what, what did you mean by that? Share that insight there a lot of times you're in a meeting and people are kind of throwing out ideas and everybody's kind of shouting over each other and you're not throwing out ideas because you haven't been paying attention. And so this is a good time to just go, guys, 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 let's take a step back here. Um, Cause then everybody's like, Oh yeah, good point. Maybe, maybe we do need to take a step back. And then once you have everyone's attention, you can just, again, ask another sort of vague question, like what problem are we really trying to solve? <laughs> 
And uh, everyone will immediately think you're the one who took control of the meeting and got us all back on track. And uh, yeah, like I said, that just buys you another hour of going back and doing whatever you are actually doing during the meeting. And you can say, let's just, let's take a step back and let's look at it through the macro lens. Yeah, or right? take a 50,000 foot view or <laughs> let's double click on this. You know, you can say pretty much anything. <laughs> That's really funny. Okay, now uh, here's my segue, right? So let's, let's now take a step back, Sarah. Sure. See how, see how I did that? I was brilliant. How, how I worked that in. So you, your past and your experience, you've worked at, at technology companies like Google and Yahoo and, and, and others for well over a decade. I think it, uh, your bio says about 14 plus years. Can you just share, share a few minutes of, of that background? Like, again, because this is where a lot of your material comes from. What did you do for them? What roles did you pretend to play? You know, <laughs> all that good yeah. stuff. Um, I uh, was a designer when I first started. I was a um, user interface designer and art director and a creative uh, director. And then when I got into tech, I was doing um, interactive design and uh, user interface design. And then by the later part of my career, I was managing the team of designers and researchers who did uh, Google Docs. Um, and so that was in New York. And being a manager, I was in even more meetings than I ever had been before. And that's kind of when I started to combine what I was noticing uh, in my day to day with my love of comedy, which is something that I've had pretty much all my life. And uh, I started doing stand-up comedy like nine years ago. So I was kind of in and out of the corporate world, doing things on the side and um, working, you know, full-time job. And then sometimes trying to, you know, pursue acting and entertainment solely and then running out of money and then going back to the corporate world. So I kind of <laughs> bounced around a lot. Sure. But when I wrote this article, 10 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, it was the first time I'd really taken those two things that encompassed my life, the corporate world and comedy, and put them together. And it really resonated with people. Um, and I found a huge audience of people that were really excited and really just reading it and sharing it multiple times, you know, writing to me about it. And I had never had a response like that from anything that I'd done before. And so that's when I realized, oh, you know, they always say, write what you know. But sometimes you don't know what you know until you write it. And then people are like, oh, you really know this. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, uh, I started the CooperReview.com and just started writing more about you know, the corporate world and all the passive aggressive stuff that goes on and um, just writing it in a satirical light because I love satire and I love, I love the people that take it seriously and think that I'm actually trying to give people advice about how to act in these meetings and they get so pissed off, especially people on LinkedIn, you know, they will just write like, this is terrible. You should, you should try to contribute in a meeting. You shouldn't waste people's time like this. And I'm like, I know that's the point of the article. Um, so that's like my favorite part. Uh, so yeah, I just kept going with it and eventually left Google and decided to pursue this full time. And you know, started adding illustrations to my work. And that's when I got the attention of a publisher and um, was able to get a book deal, which led to my first book, 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings. That's awesome. So, you know, what kind of percentage, how many people actually are taking you like too ser or over seriously or serious at all when they're reading this stuff? Is it, is it like, just tell me it's a small percentage, please. Please <laughs> tell me it's a small percentage. I'd say it's about 33%. Wow. That's just, well, you know, that fits, that fits a lot of things that we're not even going to go into right now. All right. So, but. Um, and, and if you, and if you had read my book, you would, you would respond with, oh, about one in three. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. You know what? And well, there was another thing you were saying, kind of that relates to that. I think is translating a percentage to a fraction. Exactly. Right? Anytime <laughs> someone says a percentage, turn it into a fraction. But you know what? It makes you look like you have smart math skills. Exactly. What's fun is. Listen, we one of one of my favorite movies that's still timeless to this day, even though it is it's starting to to see get, see being a little aged is Office Space, right? Mike mm-hmm. Judge, he did that. It, yeah. I mean, it's still to this day. Anybody that works in a corporate environment, especially in technology, the devices we use have changed, but it's still this. It's really just resonates still, right? And I mean, yeah. you go back, you go back, to, and then Dilbert, you know, resonated for for a long, long time too. What what informed you and in your comedy? I mean, I know we've touched on some of it already, but when you were starting to experiment, I mean, what you, you say you go, comedy goes way back for you, right? But what what was informing you with the stuff that you were dealing with every day? What what was the I guess the compelling reason I have to like stand on stage and and share this with people? Just the observations that I was making. Uh, for me, sitting in a lot of these meetings, my my mind was always like, oh, isn't it weird that we all feel so anxious right now because the VP is, you know, pacing around the room or, you know, isn't it, you know, just, isn't it weird that we're using this weird jargon and stuff like that? And so I, you know, I was in the meeting, but there was part of me that was kind of floating above the meeting, like just observing. And so, you know, a lot of times I would spend, you know, off time just like making these notes and I just... I didn't have, you know, uh, an outlet before I had the blog to kind of like share that stuff. And so it turned into stand-up comedy routines and, you know, I'd write about a lot of different things. And I, I just like the, I do like the, the live, you know, interacting with a live audience. And I think it's just a great experience to not feel as alone and kind of relate to people. Because when you get on stage and you say something that you think is interesting or weird and people respond with laughter or they recognize it in themselves or their lives, you just are like, Oh wow. So it's not just me. And I think I just kind of got, you know, addicted to that and, you know, addicted to the laughter and and just being able to relate to people on that. And because somebody has got a case of the Mondays and that never gets old. Because yeah, it never gets old. And, and it's over and over and over again. And any of those little things that happen, right? But yeah, me- and it's interesting because when I wrote the article, I, I got, you know, emails from people who'd been out of the workforce for decades who said that, that it, that's exactly what their meetings were like, too. And so it was just fascinating to me that, you know, people have not changed in the, in the, in the work world very much at all. I want to probe a little bit more just in, in relation to your, to your background. And, and I, and I say, I say this with all due respect, cause I have two daughters, right. That have young daughters right now that are going to grow up in the world of work at whatever that means for them, your experience as a woman, especially in, in, in high tech and business, um, how did that also help inform what you've written about now and what you're doing now? I think that I have always been fascinated with, what the rules were of, you know, sort of the unspoken rules of any situation. And um, I think even when my first job, when I was just a designer, I noticed that like the creative director would walk around and just kind of not be happy with anyone's work. And I thought, you know, oh, so like, if you just go around, like saying how terrible everything is, people respect you, you know? And I think I just thought of it like, sort of like, as a woman, you, it's hard to sort of play the game because you don't want to feel like you're playing a game. Whereas I think men are like, okay, this is a game. I'm going to play this game. And I don't like to make generalizations like that. But for me personally, I just kind of was more like 
observing the game versus playing the game. And I think that a lot of times, especially in male dominated workplaces, as a woman, you have to figure out, well, how am I going to fit in? And how am I going to not um, stand out in a bad way so that people see me as somebody that can take that next position and get promoted. And so I think women are more likely to sort of observe these things and try to figure out, well, how can I be like that, even though that doesn't really come that naturally to me, whereas men don't have to do that as much because they're surrounded by men. And they're like, you know, kind of just acting like how they would normally act. Yeah. And I will, I'll speak on behalf of men that we, we're idiots. So that's, <laughs> why do we babble nonsensical in the workplace? Why don't we just talk like like humans? Why don't we talk more like humans when, especially during meetings? I think it's a combination of things. I mean, one of the biggest things is that if you see a a VP or another higher up speaking this way, you just get it in your head that, that you need to speak that way to get to where they are. And so I think a lot of it is imitation and it's sort of blind imitation. Maybe that VP is actually being very, um, you know, emphatic and it very much feels the way that they're talking, but then the person below them kind of thinks, well, I'm just going to imitate that even though I don't actually feel that way because that's how I'm going to get ahead. And so I think you get into this sort of very robotic situation where people are just sort of imitating each other, unfortunately. And that's kind of when you get into these conversations we have in meetings where it's like, what are we actually saying, (laughs) if anything? And sometimes you're in an hour long meeting and you don't know what anyone is talking about. And sometimes you're the one that's like, what is everybody talking about? But sometimes you don't, you know, you're not higher, high enough in the food chain to be able to stop everyone and be like, what is everyone saying? So exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, and, and then there's another, um, can I get an hour of that time of my life back, please? Um, exactly. I love your meeting cheat sheet that you have. I mean, again, chock full of funnies, um, everything that at least I've seen so far. And I'm actually excited about it, consuming the entire thing. The, the meeting cheat sheet, share, share some of those translations with us, share some of that that wisdom. Um, so if someone says in a meeting, let's table that, that actually means that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> if someone says that said, that means we're still not changing anything. Oh um, man. You know what? <laughs> Unfortunately, I, and I write that a lot. I don't just say that. I actually write that. That said, and I'm like, <laughs> why do I do that? Anyway, keep going. If someone says, let's streamline this process. That actually means let's keep talking about this forever. Sure, exactly. Um, If someone says duly noted, that means they've already forgotten about it. (laughs) If someone says it's a no-brainer, that means they don't feel like thinking about it. (laughs) It's it's, it's like a misnomer. It just cancels itself out, right? Yeah. Definitely is is an interesting one. If someone says definitely, they they mean probably not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I did that all the time. They'd be like, are you going to get that done by Friday? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, I'm yeah. on it. <laughs> exactly. I'm on it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. If someone says happy to discuss this further, they mean don't ever bring this up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I'm crying here. This, this, this is good stuff. Cause I, I've lived it. And, and many of the folks that are going to listen to this, I know they're going to feel the same way they've lived it. How, how well did your, the higher ups, so, I mean, you know, your immediate supervisors and, uh, and others above them, how, I'm, I'm sure there was some overlap in, in between, you know, you early on exploring your comedic career and then still working, right? Yeah. How, did they, how did they receive your comedy? Yeah, I was a little scared uh, to publish the article when I first Right, the article, it. right, right. 
because I didn't want my coworkers to think that I was making fun of them, which I was, but I just didn't want them to know that. And uh, I kind of said to myself, okay, well, you know, people at Google have a pretty good sense of humor, so hopefully they won't take this, you know, too seriously. So I went ahead and published it and uh, everyone responded really well to it. They, they loved it. In fact, a few weeks after I published it, I was in a meeting and uh, one of the VPs was pacing around the room and asking the presenter to go back a slide at the same time. And uh, those are two of my tricks. And he looked over at me and he winked. (laughs) And so I was like, hi, I guess that's how you become a VP at Google. You do these tricks, you know, at the same time, multiple at the same time. And so everyone, eventually people were like, oh, put me in your next article, write about this thing that I do. There's this one product manager who would always schedule a meeting and then he was late to his own meeting. And so he thought, you know, show up late to your own meeting. That's a great trick, right? <laughs> and so uh, people were asking me to put them in, in my articles eventually. So it was fine. <laughs> That's so funny. You know what? If you can't poke fun at yourself, if you can't just understand that and be so- somewhat self-deprecating, even in a leadership position, right? Mm-hmm. Then get out of the freaking meeting. I, just, mm-hmm. I, just, I don't want you there because it's like, you know what? That life's too short. Exactly. For us not to kind of laugh at ourselves going, wow, did we, did I just really say that? That said, (laughs) right? That said, so listen, if you could give one piece of advice for those of us who still suffer fools of meeting after meeting after meeting, what would it be? Um, I think it would be more to just be more present. And, you know, if you start to notice yourself kind of getting into these, you know, weird robotic, you know, ways of speaking and ways of acting, Try to snap yourself out of it and, you know, just be more present and, you know, speak like you would normally speak as, you know, a normal human being. And I think that, you know, you'll enjoy meetings more and you'll connect with your coworkers more and hopefully you'll be more productive if, if you uh, kind of wake up a little bit. Exactly. And it's bad enough that the bots are already taking over anyway. Yep. The bots right? are everywhere. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's already happening anyway. So it's like, we gotta, we gotta be more human now than ever before. Share another funny with me, one or two, something that you, you really enjoyed that's in the book that was in the article. What, what else can you share with us? Um, so one of the um, banes of my existence uh, in meetings was the weekly status meeting um, where, you know, you had to meet with your team and you had to go around the room and say, you know, give an update on what you were doing. And so I, I wrote a chapter in the book about you know, how to appear smart in these weekly status meetings. And one of my favorite tricks is, is number 35, interrupt someone's update, then let them finish, which is also called the Kanye. And <laughs> the way this works is when someone's giving their update, uh, just go, hey, hey, John, let me stop you there. Everyone, John's going to give an update right now that's really important. So if you could all pay attention. Okay, go ahead, John. Uh, so that just makes you look kind of like a badass. And that's one of my favorite tricks. <laughs> That's a control issue too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a badass. There you go. That's funny. The Kanye. That's hilarious. Wow. Listen, how do we get, how do we get the book? A hundred tricks to appear smart in meetings. Um, the best way to buy it is um, on Amazon. It's actually under $10 on Amazon right now. So, um, you know, you can buy it for yourself or your work friend or nemesis or your boss or whoever, <laughs> and uh, it makes a great item on your desk or your conference room table or on your nightstand or wherever. So Amazon's the best place to get it right now. That's awesome. Do you got a calendar? You got to get a calendar. You got to get a desk calendar going. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's next. Oh my gosh. That, that would be just perfect. Where are you appearing next? I mean, are you you performing right now? What's, what's, what's going on? 
Well, right now I'm working on my next book, which is going to be coming out either later this year or early next year. And uh, it's going to be a business parody book, kind of making fun of all of these business books where they try to tell you, here's, here's the secret to success. And here's the one silver bullet that you need to, you know, become a billionaire or whatever. So it'll be another uh, parody of those types of books. I.E. pyramid scheme. Yes. (laughs) There you go. That's, that's exactly what we're talking. That's awesome. I can't wait to see that. And then maybe even have you back on again. Listen, the last thing, Sarah, I want to ask you is uh, ask all my guests is, Obviously, you've been working really hard on your comedy and the writing and then with the new book coming out even later this year. What exactly are you doing when you're hardly working? You see how, you see how I did that? Yeah, yeah. I, I sleep. <laughs> there you go. You sleep. That's, that's what you do, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I love naps. That's just like my favorite thing in the whole world. So you know, um, napping is my thing, yeah. Napping is a good thing. I can't nap anymore. I wish that were the case. I'm up at 5 or 5.30 every morning. My whole family is, for that matter. Even oh, gosh. And, that sounds uh, horrible. Well, no, I'll, nap, it is. I'll nap an extra few hours for Please, you. Please, <laughs> nap for me. And so, yeah, and nap in one of those and just make like a makeshift pod like you would have had at Google, right? Okay, yeah. Back in the day and, and do a nap in one of those. That'd be awesome. Sarah, thanks so much for being on Working Tech. I appreciate it. Look forward to meeting you in person someday. Cool. Thank you. This was fun. We'll be back with more Working Tech soon. Until then, be good and work better. Brought to you by ReachWest Media and the HR Gazette.